0: Monica here from honorsociety.org. The honorsociety.org podcast series gives you resources and advice that will help you succeed academically and professionally. I'm here today with Shada Rabipour, a PhD candidate in neuroscience at the University of Ottawa. She recently published a review on training the brain. She's here to share with us what exactly brain training is and why it matters. Hi, Shada. Thank you so much for being here. So let's start with your background as a researcher. Tell us a little bit about the topic and why it's important to you.
1: Well, I'm studying cognitive training, which I guess more commonly is known as brain training. And that's really important to me because it's about Uh, kind of optimizing your brain function, so things like attention, memory, concentration, uh, reasoning ability, all these things that are so important to our performance in daily life and it doesn't matter how old you are, it's important for children as they develop, as they go through school to understand how to behave and to be able to control their behavior, their emotions, to know when it's appropriate to uh, be quiet in the classroom and when it's okay to maybe talk loudly with your friends outside at recess. Um, Certainly as we grow up and we go to college or start our careers, we need to have the discipline to concentrate on our tasks and have the discipline to do um, the tasks that are needed of us, of our jobs. And then as we age, this is becoming a really hot topic in terms of preventing or maybe even reversing the signs of aging. So cognitive decline or, you know, kind of getting that mind fuzz that people report feeling as they age. So this is all really important to me from a practical perspective perspective but also from a theoretical perspective um, I'm interested also in understanding why do people think the way that they think what are the factors um, in our environment and in the way that we think that influence the way that we behave Um, and the differences the individual differences that exist between two different people based on these other kind of extraneous factors um, and I guess overarchingly try to understand the human condition and, and the human mind.
0: Definitely. It's really fascinating because it's something that affects us not only in our every day-to-day minutes, but also in the future. Certainly. It's a really important topic. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly brain training is?
1: So brain training uh, is the broad term that encompasses the idea that you're kind of exercising, um, doing a a certain type of mental challenge or task that is mentally challenging over a specific time frame with the intention of improving a certain type of cognitive skill or mental skill. So again, something like improving your attention or improving working memory, which is a type of memory that allows you to um, immediately recall something that you just heard and kind of manipulate it. So for example, doing mental arithmetic or remembering a phone number and having to you know jot it down. If you don't have a paper to, to jot it down, you have to jot it down in your memory. So um, kind of improving these kinds of of skills and these aspects of cognition or or mental function Um, and doing that again over a specific time frame which could be several days to weeks to you know months or a lifetime and these these types of activities can be uh, more direct or more um, more specific like a computerized task Um, and they can even be considered something like a computer game or a video game even um, to something like meditation or you know, spending time with nature, um, uh, being physically active or exercising regularly, these, these kind of more holistic or more lifestyle-related activities. All of these things, if they're done, um, in a, again, in a certain type of program with the, with the goal of improving mental function, these can be all considered as types of brain training.
0: Why is brain training something that we should be aware of?
1: Well, brain training, um, I think, is a fascinating <laughs> topic, and it's certainly gaining popularity in mainstream society. So um, there are so many, uh, especially the computerized programs, there are so many different types of products that are available right now on the market. So um, for example, things like Lumosity, which I'm sure many people have heard of, or um, you know, Cognifit Brain Age. These are just some examples of the many, many programs that are being developed and that exist commercially for use. And the idea or the theory behind all of it is again to improve an aspect of your mental function that's going to be influential in your daily life. That's going to have tangible results in improving your performance um, at at your job or just in your day-to-day interactions. Um, uh, so that's why it's that's why it's so important, and um, it can be relevant for again all types of populations. It can be relevant for you know the typical healthy young adult. It can be relevant in clinic for for people who have conditions like ADHD or um, things like schizophrenia. There's a lot of work that's being developed in that area or other kinds of psychopathologies. People who are older who are afraid of perhaps losing their mental faculties, maybe not remembering as well as they used to, not being able to concentrate as well as they're used to. That's a common um, change that occurs naturally as we age, and some people are trying to find ways to reverse that or stop that from happening. Um, there's a lot of work that's being done in you know older people with Alzheimer's or early dementia. Um, so again, very relevant for kind of everyone. Um, and yeah, and, and again, just. For regular, kind of the average Joe trying to get, gain a competitive edge in, in their work and or in school if you're a little bit younger.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you've probably convinced our listeners that it is something that they need to be aware of. So, what do you recommend if they're ready to get started in training their brain, so to speak?
1: Right. Um, well, there are so many different paths that you can choose to training your brain. So again, some of the most readily available um, uh, products on the market are these computer programs that exist, um, and so you, you can choose one of those, play one of those games. Um, you can do something like meditating, so there's a lot of evidence that suggests that mindfulness meditation is beneficial for improving your attention and um, your concentration, things like that, which can certainly be beneficial um, in, in daily life. Again, things like physical exercise. The the interesting thing about um the research on brain training is that it 's really dynamic so it 's it 's a very new relatively new area of research and there 's always kind of new findings that come out that show that one form of brain training might be more beneficial or one form of brain training might be less beneficial than initially thought or then it might be more beneficial for uh, younger people um, versus something else that might be more beneficial for older people or people who may have a sort of condition and not be as um, healthy, I guess, as, as others or as they used to be. So I think the first thing to, to keep in mind is to do something that is Enjoyable for you. So, if you're a gamer and you love playing video games, um, you might want to consider, you know, doing a computer program or even a video game. There, there's some evidence that some video games, for example, things like first-person shooters or, um, you know, other types of games that require you to strategize and to pay a lot of attention to a target um, for an end goal, those can be beneficial in kind of generally improving your attention and possibly even improving more uh, indirect things like performance in daily life. So if you're interested in that, that might be something to, to start doing. If you're maybe more into spirituality, into um, kind of uh, you know the idea of meditation, if this is something that you are interested in, in starting or maybe something that you have already kind of been interested in, then that's definitely an interesting way to go about doing it. So there are different types of meditation. One type of, of meditation is called mindfulness meditation, and um, very generally it comprises two types. So there's focused attention, which you kind of have to hone in on a specific aspect of your environment, and then open monitoring, where you're kind of generally just raised general state of awareness and not necessarily concentrating on one aspect. Um, and then the more advanced you get, you might do some combination of focused attention and open monitoring at the same time. Um, So these can be uh, beneficial. Um, And again, just keeping generally healthy, keeping physically active is really important to having a a healthy brain as well. Um, And sleep, sleep is really important. It's not really brain training, but um, so brain training isn't necessarily just about having your brain on all the time and being active all the time. So it's important to train it certainly and to practice having better focus, practice, maybe multitasking in a more efficient way, but it's also important to take mental rest, right? So Mm -hmm. sleep is really important in that as well. Um, Walks in nature, spending time outdoors, mindfulness to a certain extent comes into play um, in that respect as well. So just kind of uh, maybe plugging out from all the electronic devices and the industrialized environment and just, you know, take a hike in in nature. and that can be really beneficial as well. So just generally having a balance, I think, is is a good place to start, and doing something that's enjoyable and that you will be engaged in, but also that will be challenging to you. That's also really important.
0: I love that, and those are definitely things that we can all start doing tonight, just (laughs) by getting enough sleep. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) So let's talk about the state of flow. What is that?
1: So the state of flow is actually, um, I guess, colloquially you can think of it as like being in the zone. Um, so it was a term that was kind of coined by this um, uh, professor in psychology. His name is said uh, Mihai, don't ask me to spell it. Um, he's actually at, I believe, at Claremont Graduate University right here in California. He's still active in, in his research. Um, but so he came up with this, uh, or he, he described the state of flow um, he was the first person to describe the state of flow and essentially what it is is a state of altered and optimal consciousness where you're pretty much performing at your best and you're at your optimal state of awareness. So um, it's a state that involves being involved and engaged in a task that is at the just the right, just the right amount of challenge for you. So it's not too hard that it's frustrating but it's not too easy that you're not really being engaged or challenged. It's something that is kind of motivating in and of itself. So a task that you enjoy doing, not necessarily for an end goal, you should have a clear goal in mind, but the goal isn't necessarily to be competitive with somebody else. It's something that is intrinsically motivating in itself. It's a state where you kind of lose your self-consciousness. You have a heightened state state of awareness of yourself and your kind of interaction with the task. So it's almost like if you're... Uh, playing a piece of music and every every next step kind of flows logically from the one before flows naturally from the from the previous note that you played that 's kind of an interesting analogy that people have made with the state of flow where you come become one with the task and you 're just optimally engaged and you kind of have an altered state of time as well, so a few hours can feel like just minutes or you can be so focused that a few seconds can seem like an eternity that are going by. So it's it's a kind of interesting state that comes about when you're, I guess, really engaged and at a high level of performance in, in something.
0: Definitely. So how would you say students can achieve that state of flow? Would it be picking up an instrument or...? I think, again,
1: it goes back to doing something that you enjoy doing. So if music is your thing and you're engaged with composing a song or learning a challenging piece of music, um, be it on the piano or the violin or the guitar or whatever, you know, singing, um, if that is something that's going to challenge you and something that you're going to be passionate enough about to be persistent and keep going at it, until you achieve what you believe is you know, the, the perfect state or the end state, then that's something that you can do. It doesn't have to be music. It can be um, you know, any other form of art. You can be painting or um, writing. It can also be something like sports. So um, high-level athletes that are training have described being in the state of flow or uh, experiencing the state of flow. Um, really, any kind of activity that is engaging to you um, eventually can elicit the state of flow. And some people think that the state of flow is the key to being ultimately happy in life. Um, It can spawn creativity, which of course is important in every aspect of life. Um, Similar to brain training, the idea um, and the theory, and in some cases the research, also shows that it can improve fluid intelligence, which is your ability to think adaptively on your feet or um, solve problems in new situations that you've never been faced with before. Um, And that kind of goes. Similarly with the idea of being creative and, and achieving the state of flow.
0: What are some practical everyday tips you have for students? Um,
1: I think I would say the most important thing is to have a clear end goal. And that end goal can be kind of immediate. What do I want to achieve by the end of the day, by the end of the week? It can be more long term. What do I want to do in a few months from now? Or you know, what would my ideal lifestyle at the end of a, of a lifetime, what would that be? Um, and so, I think starting from that end goal and kind of working backwards, figuring out what are the steps that you need to go through or maybe the hurdles that you need to overcome to achieve that end goal. So again, from an overarching perspective, it can be if I want to have X career, I need to, for example, go to a certain school or do a certain program and to have the basic foundation to be able to do this career. For example, if you want to be a doctor and you need to go to medical school. Um, but then, you know, a little bit more immediately, if you are in uh, in school already, if you if your goal is to graduate, to pass exams, to excel in a class, um, having again clear goals about your homework, your exams, your assignments that you need to do. What is more important? What will take more time to do? What will have more value in terms of grade percentage, for example, or more impact on? Um, helping you long term in your career. So for example if you are interested in a certain topic and your teacher or your professor is uh, somebody who is present in that field then you might want to impress that teacher and so maybe spend more time or more effort in that class compared to maybe a class that is less relevant for you. so yeah, so maybe uh, keeping a, a daily or weekly schedule of your tasks that you need to do, what you need to work on, um, and also remember to keep breaks, right? So right. you can't, can't be on for 12 hours a day. You have to take time to just mentally rest, shift your focus, take your mind off of one assignment or one activity that you're doing, and. Do something else, or do something that's not related to school at all. So again, we can go back to if you need to meditate for a few minutes, if you enjoy doing that, if you want to go for a run and get your heart rate going, and um, you know, just increase blood flow to your brain. Um, if you need to take a nap, so <laughs> some people find it helpful to take naps in the middle of the day, and that just kind of restores um, your alertness. Uh, maybe not like two hours of a nap, but like a 20-minute power nap um, to get you going if you're maybe a little more tired, and certainly at the end of the day to get. Uh, good sleep (laughs) is really important.
0: Definitely. So I know a lot of our members are interested in going into research. What advice do you have for them? If you could touch a little bit about how you got into this field and maybe what advice you have for them from your experience.
1: Sure, so um, I didn't always know that I was interested in research per se. I was always fascinated by brain function um, and I always wanted to understand why it was that people think the way that they think or act in a certain way in a certain context or um, based on their culture, based on their um, past experiences, based on their backgrounds. Why, why, Why are people the way that they are, I guess, overarchingly? Um, and so uh, there are many ways that you can do this. Some people do this um, in a more clinical sense to help people who are maybe dysfunctional in some way. Some people do it in a very fundamental research perspective where they work with um, maybe animals or cell lines and just look at really fundamental processes. What I, what I wanted to do was something that was both I guess in some ways uh, fundamental research, so more basic research and understanding what are some of the processes, but also something that was more applicable or applied. Um, And so that's uh, where I, well, when I started learning in school about the idea of brain training about things like the placebo effect, which are really influential in determining how people might defer in in the way that they benefit from something like a medical treatment or an intervention based on what they believe. Um, And just the idea of optimizing performance and and optimizing brain function, those are all things that kind of were all interesting to me. And I think I had such broad interests that for a while I, I considered going into medical school and studying it from that perspective in clinical populations, and then it has the added benefit of directly helping people and you get to see your patients go through it and interact with them. But um, personally, I thought, well, if I'm if I'm doing something that can help a few people at a time, why not do something that can maybe help hundreds of people at a time by showing um, or, or kind of dictating what proper or better practice would be, for example, in the context of medicine. So, I'm, I'm really interested in doing work, and I hope to be able to do work um, in my career that will improve or continually improve our standards of care, our standards of how we understand how people function optimally. Again, it can be in school, in, in like elementary school, or in college, and all the way up until you know you have your career and you're maybe at retirement stage and trying to just keep your brain optimally functioning. This is all things that that fascinated me. And um, brain training to me is kind of the link and and the study of brain training and the study of cognitive function and executive function. So being able to control your thoughts and your actions and your emotions, all of that, which again also ties into brain training, that was what kind of led me down that path. And so the research i'm actually doing right now is looking at the effects of expectancy on performance so uh, kind of related to the placebo effect basically um, the amount that a person expects that uh, a certain program will work how much will that influence how much they actually improve compared to someone who maybe comes in thinking that it's not really going to work and uh, i'm also looking at other kind of individual factors like you know level of education or how much experience you have and other kinds of activities like you know gaming or whatever. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm actually also writing a book about brain training, um, kind of an academic book that's also aimed for just the general public so um, it will be well or it is well researched in terms of having um, any any point that I'm making will be backed up by a uh, theory or proven work. but kind of written in a way that hopefully everyone can benefit from and understand. Um, So yeah, and also I guess more practically, um, if somebody is interested in going into research, what I would suggest is um, definitely doing a little bit of background research in terms of seeing what are the opportunities um, in terms of who's looking for a student in their lab, what kind of research is that person doing, um, maybe speaking to people who have worked with a person that you're interested in working with, speaking to the professor or the professor's students, um, seeing what the future directions are in that lab. So, just because you're really interested in somebody's work now, doesn't necessarily mean their focus hasn't shifted. Um, and that may be even better for you but it might not be exactly what you're hoping to do so um, just doing some background research looking into it making the right connections as well so um, there's no replacement for FaceTime I think going to speak to people in person is helpful or even just picking up the phone and showing that you're interested and um, you know just keeping your options open and, or at least trying to figure out as many potential paths that you can follow that would still Uh, fulfill your own personal passions and goals.
0: I think that's really great advice for really any field, is Uh, to, to, you know, do your research and talk to people who are in that. I think that regardless of what you want to do, I think that as a college student, that's definitely something you should be prioritizing. Right. And
1: I find people are pretty receptive to that. In my my personal experience, Mm -hmm. people have been really helpful to me and have given me great advice down the line. have uh, given me great feedback online as well. If I did something that was good or maybe less productive, um, so yeah, I think people are receptive to that.
0: Definitely, I definitely agree. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I think this is such a fascinating topic, and we could probably go on for <laughs> much longer. But I think this is a great starting point, and it's really something that I do as well. Think the awareness is important, so that people know that this research is is being done, and people do want to see how our brain is going to help us in our day-to-day and in the future.
1: Right. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a lot of fun.